0: Well, and welcome to the mixed media podcast, where we uh, talk about you know topics related to media in all three of our industries. So, we do video game talks, music talks, and uh, film talks, and uh, some, somehow try to connect all three. Sometimes, uh, we wanted to do our updated format, as we spoke about like two podcast episodes ago or something like that. But uh, this time, we almost got it, but uh, we couldn't get the we couldn't quite get the interview this time. So, uh, hopefully, next time we'll see. be doing one reddit recap or reddit review rather uh by ben and then me and irving will be doing normal topics like we used to do like in the olden days i guess we'll introduce ourselves so
1: i'm nathan Nestor. i'm a game developer and 3d modeler i'm irving i'm a filmmaker and media entrepreneur i own a company called ral and i'm hearing myself in my headphones so i'm tripping on my speech
0: i and i'm ben costello i'm a flutist flute player and uh Media composer, I'm struggling with the fact that, like, I can't see myself on my screen. So I don't know Bones what's going on with, with this new Skype update that I have.
1: Yeah, I are you guys doing? I'm okay. Not too much new on my neck of the woods.
0: Not anything particularly uh, new for me. Yeah, you know, listening to a lot of music, playing music, trying to, you know, network with the, other young um, people in the music industry all right yeah, i guess i'll be starting with my topic uh, which is about digital distribution platforms which are the modern way of buying games so you know, once upon a time you used to go to GameStop or something like that to get your games it's not really a thing anymore at least game's not stonk. a very popular thing to do at all <laughs> I uh, use uh, online platforms such as Steam, Epic Games or GOG. Those are the ones I am really gonna be talking about mostly. Like there are a bunch of other ones like Roblox are like the ones that they're only used, they're only able to be used by the publisher slash developer themselves who developed it. So like Uplay for Ubisoft, Origins slash EA app for EA, and Battle.net for, I think it was that Activision Blizzard, I think. But I'm not going to be talking about those stuff. And I'll also, also not gonna be talking about like Xbox Store, PlayStation Store, App Store is literally just Steam and the games GOG, so just like public platforms, like as in public, as in anybody can apply to be on the platform, on PC specifically, excluding Roblox because Roblox is weird. So we're gonna <laughs> another episode about that one. So yeah, I'll be talking about how they're kind of, uh, kind of, kind of tough. They're kind of tough on the on the indie game developer and tough on developers in general, really. Uh, it was just you know, of course. If you're tough on all developers, it's gonna hurt the people who are smallest the most. But in general, some wackiness, whether <laughs> I don't know, I'm not really be pointing fingers in this case, I'm not really sure who's to blame, whether it's the distribution platforms themselves, whether it's the consumers, whether it's developers. They probably all have their hand in it in some in some sense, but I'll just get to it what I'm you know, what I'm complaining about. All all these platforms are pretty different. Steam, Epic Games, GOG, right? So they all have their sort of pros and cons. Uh, you know, Steam being like it has the biggest audience out of all of them by far. You know, the downside being that Steam sales exists, which I'll get to later, and why that's like not good. Well, it's good you know, in some sense. It's also not good in, in, in a different way. Uh, it's also Epic Games where, you know, Epic Games might pay you if they really like your game idea to be a platform exclusive on the Epic Games Store. And you also get a higher revenue share for developers. I think they take 12%, uh, but the GOG and Steam both take 30%, which is like <laughs> a lot less or a lot more rather. Uh, and the GOG. GOG is a lot. So yeah, I sort of mentioned them in order of popularity. So you probably heard, you definitely heard of Steam. Probably heard about the games. You may have not heard of GOG. Um, GOG is a uh, owned by CD, CD Project, and CD Project Red is a is child is a child of CD Project. Uh, I believe GOG is, is that is that the same, it might be the same thing as CD Projekt Blue or something like that? I think it also has its own color or something like that. I don't remember. But <laughs> GOG is owned by CD Projekt. It's a store, uh, not just for CD Projekt Red games. Uh, it's for any any game. The, the, the whole, the whole like, unique thing about it is that all those games are DR, DRM-free. I don't remember what DRM stands for. Like, is it Digital Rights Management, I think? Uh, essentially, the thing in a game that makes sure that you're not stealing the game, essentially. <laughs> all GOG games must be DRM free. an example, a lot of games do this, especially specifically multiplayer ones. Uh, if you try to join a multiplayer match, the game will check to make sure the license you have for the game is actually valid and that you didn't pirate the game, for example. And if you did, if it does look like you're using a pirated version of the game, it won't let you play multiplayer. Otherwise, it will let you play. Now, uh, the reason why gog exists for you know why would you want drm free stuff right it's kind of a question is like are you just is it just like a pirating thing well not really there's some arguments to be made for it such as the fact that like drm uh drm and single player specifically is kind of kind of kind of nasty because uh, in order for drm to work you essentially have to be connected to the internet and so if you want to play a single player game just maybe you have your laptop and your i don't know on road trip or something no, you're just not somewhere where you have wi-fi easily accessible then you can't if you had a game that you know a single player and enforced a drm as in like you literally literally must be connected to the internet at all times to play this game and that kind of sucks or if you have a poor internet connection i believe this is a problem with ghost recon breakpoint uh, the game does have both multiplayer and single player but you know it's definitely has a big focus on the single player instead but i'm pretty sure the game locks you into an always on like always connected to to Ubisoft servers state, so I remember hearing people have these issues where the game randomly disconnects maybe because you know their Wi-Fi cuts out for a moment or something. You know, just I don't know, just, uh, unreliable Wi-Fi in a single-player game. Um, so you know, it was a price to for DRM, but not a topic for another time. Can do a whole video on DRM, and as well, GO- GOG also has as like a third third option if you don't want to support Steam or games for whatever reason. You know, it's like. If the games both, some people will be like, oh, the games on Steam and GOG. I'll just buy from GOG because uh, Steam has some, you know, some questionable business practices and stuff like that. Okay, so what are the actual problems with digital? Di- uh, digital distribution. So the sales. I don't mean sales and how many times you know, think uh, buying a copy. I mean sales and a discount. So I mean a discount sale. So. Steam Epic Games and GOG will have, you know, have many sales throughout the year, but the big ones are the seasonal sales. So they have a summer sale, winter sale, you know, fall sale, etc. Um, and sometimes holiday sales too, stuff like that. See, but seasonal sales specifically are the where the bulk of the sales happen. Wow, okay. I'm using the word sale a lot, and it can mean two different things. It can mean discount or it can mean like you're buying a copy of the game. I was using it in both senses, so let me restart uh, using the word terms correctly. So. Discount Seasonal discounts are where most discounts happen, and they cause a bulk of the buys to happen for games, right? Like if you look at, if you ever look at like a, a graph of some games buys in a given period of time, say a year, always be the be the, massive spikes at during these seasonal discount areas, and it'll usually be by far like, like that is that is essentially what's keeping the game alive is just those just those holiday sale periods essentially. It's kind of not good in a sense, right? Because what's happening essentially is that, you know, in order to keep competitive, you have to, you have to, like, you know, you always see those memes with, like, Gaben, right? Uh, The dude who uh, founded uh, Valve, who owns Steam. And, you know, everything being like 75% off or 90% off and you know ridiculous sales like that because it's true there are sales that like that and the reason why they exist is to keep competitive so during these holiday seasons this is when all the developers are like all right time to you know make my my season's salary essentially they're pushed to essentially like grind themselves to death by making their games 90 percent off to compete with the other ones yeah i'm not saying every game does that not every game because the way it works essentially is you have to be invited to be in the summer sale. I believe Steam cites the numbers being like about the 20 to 30 percent of top-selling games are invited to be part of the Steam Summer Sale. That's a, probably a lot more than it sounds like because most games on Steam, as we talked about before, don't make much at all because they just so I'll make something, decide I'm gonna put it on Steam, and then they don't think about it again, stuff like that. So 20 to 30 percent is probably a perhaps a majority of. Uh, serious indie developers essentially so they're invited and they can either choose to do it or not and they can set their own discount price so what happens is, is most people just do it because they know that everyone's going to buy all the other games during these sale periods and they're not going to buy their game during the sale period now the sale period is essentially like for certain, especially for indie game developers is 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 crucial because you know it's, it's kind of saddening but a lot of times you see like reviews for games sometimes on steam and it's like or not even just steam but you know elsewhere too and they'll say like this is a great game i would recommend that you buy it once on sale it's like it is a great game right <laughs> so why specifically on sale It's because these things these sales happen very often right I, I cited that there are four seasonal sales plus the random holiday sales plus the sales they do in between just you know for no no on no event just because they want to or whatever right you really don't have to wait long to find one of these sales, and once you do, you know you grab the sixty-dollar game for twenty dollars or something like that, right? Because why would you? Why would you not do that? when There's <laughs> really not that much time uh, between between having to buy between each sale, right? So it's sort of it's sort of like you know everyone's trying to stay competitive, so. They, re- they reduce the price of the game during these sales, which sort of is a uh, like endless cycle of people being like, oh, well, they did it, so I have to do it, and I have to do it even more of this time, and stuff like that, all competing for everyone's buys, essentially. Yeah, that's kind of the sort of the problem with uh, seasonal sales. It's gonna bring the, the average cost of a game totally down, right? So a $60 game might on average sell for 20, or something like that, right? Well. Sixty-dollar games tend to not be indie games, and it's usually the indie games that suffer most from this. But uh, you know, say a twenty-dollar game that ends up averaging like fifteen or something like that, or, or you know, it's kind of it's kind of strange. And uh, yeah, because they're so ubiquitous, they end up being expected by the consumers. So you know, it's sort of similar to like the sixty-dollar price cap, right? Where I keep saying over and over again, it doesn't really make sense, not at all. Um, what the thirty-dollar standard, right? It's either thirty dollars or sixty dollars, doesn't really make sense, but it's expected by the consumer and so that's just how it has to be right (laughs) essentially until companies feel that there's too much pressure and they just decide they have to break the barrier right which is what we're seeing with the 70 dollar price the new 70 dollar price cap which is isn't even like fully adopted yet right so and yeah steam sort of acts like one of those like you know sort of because they have uh you know, their, mar- their exact market share is unknown but the number that I see usually like hover between like 70 to 75 percent of market share for PC game distribution This they sort of have the they have incredible power in this right so if all these steam sales are happening that you know have like these 75 percent off things right like it's sort of like uh you know what are the what are the people on the platform gonna do right are they gonna go somewhere else where they don't have to compete with the with those kind of sales well, I mean, steam has that 75 percent market share where else are you going to go you're going to epic games or gog where the amount of people you know your audience is so much lower you know as well if you you know during those sales like you to be front page on steam that's great you know It's <laughs> gonna be great for sales and stuff like that and you know think about it, like 75 percent market share might not seem, seem like you know it's like okay but it's still some competition and stuff like that well you know you know, it mean, reminded of the fact that the t- other 25% includes big stuff like Origin, Uplay, and Battle.net, right? Like, things that you can't even get into because you're not part of the company, just in indie, indie dev or whatever, right? Um, so, when we're talking about, like, uh, what i referred to before as public games distribution platforms, the 75%, I'm sure, is a lot higher, right? Maybe more towards 90% or something like that, where Steam really becomes more of a, like, of a... Uh, almost the only viable option, you know, maybe the only viable option, depending on who you ask. So aside from sales or discounts or whatever you want to call them. The other thing that's kind of no good about the current state of digital distribution platforms are their return policies or their refund policies. Uh, So Steam and Epic Games share a very, very similar uh, refund policy. It's in general the same. So essentially, I'm going to strip it down a lot because there are a bunch of rules and stuff like that as to when you can refund something. But the basic things are that you can refund something if you have less than two hours of play time in it, and you you haven't you haven't owned the game for more than 14 days essentially. I'm gonna give you like an anecdote about this. So one time, I think it was a, I want to say it was like a Black Friday sale or something like that. Uh, I don't know, some 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 sale is happening. Uh, I was buying a bunch of games because on sale. I was like, now's the time. Uh, <laughs> and you know, in hindsight, I'm like. Mm. It's kind of not good for the developers, but at the time, I didn't even think about it. And I was just uh, buying a bunch of games during the sale period. And uh, I, had a, I had a friend who re- recommended me a game called Refunct. Uh, it's like a little platformer game. takes less than an hour to complete. And in his reasoning for why I should get it, he said, it's less than two hours, so you can refund it after you finish the game. And I was like, huh, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know, if you play the entire game, in theory, it entertains you for the entire amount of time but yet you can still refund it, you know? It's kind of, it's it's pretty broken. And uh, what it essentially does is it enforces this idea that your games must be over two hours to play. This is a uh, topic I've seen on Reddit before, and it like boggled my mind the comments people were saying like, well, you shouldn't have a game that's less than two hours of play time. Like, what? Have you never played a board game? Like, do you expect to play a board game for over two hours or something like that? Like, this is like just a video game thing, you know what I'm saying? This is not a general media thing, you know? No one's upset at like, I don't know, like, yeah, you know, if you have a, a movie that's 30 minutes, it's a short film. You know, it's not not it's not, not a movie anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> of course, it's going to attract maybe a different type of audience, but it's not like it's rejected as like you know. If you make a 30-minute movie, that's not even a movie at all. You know, it's it's just you go even lower than 30 minutes. It's not a short film. It's just a video, right? <laughs> it's a YouTube video, for example, or something like that. Seems and like a so, fairly
1: simple thing to fix, right? Like all they have to do is like make it like if you're under two hours, then there's a different proportion and it would be that easy <laughs> what you, about like if it's oh
0: you, oh you mean like if the total play time of the game is under 2 hours you something? saying yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah they can definitely just you know it, i think the the refunk takes about 40 minutes to complete like you know on average uh if you play like non completionists whatever so you could just make it like 15 minutes 20 minutes like a even that, yeah. I mean, that's half the game. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and also, the game is only three dollars. So like, come on, just give him his three dollars. for Making that, you know, give him his three dollars. Like, don't don't be like that. <laughs> but people are like this, you know. Like, people are actually like, you can't make a you can't make a less than two hour game because people will just refund it. I mean, refund has seen incredible success in that. It's been bought by a lot of people, so I'm sure he actually did make a lot of money off it because there are enough people who aren't scummy who, you know, just didn't refund it, right? Like myself, I didn't end up refunding it. I was like, I was like, wait a minute, I literally can't do this. Like, I was <laughs> like, I'm literally stealing because, yeah, pretty much I'm just stealing at that point. Um, so yeah, It should just, it should just scale it. Technically, you can't do this forever. You know, Steam and Epic Games will say like, well, you know, we pretend we prevent this because if you refund the game too many times, Will or refund too many games essentially? We'll essentially manually review it and see if that's like suspicious and whether you actually have a reason because you have to actually put in a reason. But you could just say like I didn't like it or something, like that, you know, uh, or it didn't run on my hardware or something, something like that, you know. But I'm sure if you space it out enough, right? You just get a you get a you get like a three dollar game every once in a while. You just have free three dollar games every every couple of months. It's kind of messed up, but uh, yeah. GOG takes different approaches. a different approach. It's a 30 day refund policy. Which, and it has no, is no playtime thing. It's just 30 day refund policy. Um, their thing is, I think it's a recent update to the refund policy is that you can refund it for literally any reason. Now, there's a weird part about this because GOG has no DRM, right? Which means that you can download the game and then you can refund it and now you still have the game, right? On Steam, if you refund it, Steam will no longer let you have the game, right? Like, uh, I'm not sure if it's forcibly uninstalled, but regardless, you know, there's some weird Steam token things that essentially uh, verify that you actually own the game when you try to launch it from Steam, right? Uh, but GOG, kind of the point is that there is no DRM, which means that you can buy a game, refund it for whatever reason, apparently, and now you literally just own it. Uh, they also do the same thing where they, if you refund too many, they'll you know, be like, oh, it's kind of suspicious to look into that. But really, I mean, thinking about it, say you want to buy infinite games, right? You make, you make an account, it is sixty dollars game. You refund it within thirty days. You can literally refund it the next day, whatever, right? Okay, now the game is yours to keep for free, right? Now just make a new account and do it again. <laughs> you know, it really isn't that hard to get by, especially because you know it's sixty dollars is not nothing, right? It takes it takes you know some hours of work to to acquire sixty dollars at your job. It takes five minutes to make a new account. You know, like. The the you know in terms of pure like money saving it would make sense in you know an economic I just want to be as wealthy as possible type way to just just re- make a new account and return the thing I don't know how to deal with that that sounds pretty horrible in my opinion but uh yeah I feel like I don't know if you're doing the whole no DRM thing maybe your return return pol- or refund policy should be very strict I mean especially nowadays where it's pretty it's you know what you're getting you know what I'm saying like you just look over YouTube videos you know exactly what you're getting. For the most part. Right. I guess the question is, well, I think it's will I actually have fun in this game? Maybe, you know, you didn't. Well, it's part of like just the risk of it. Right. It's like buying a movie ticket. Right. You might not like the movie, but you can't go. You, don't, you wouldn't expect to go to the movie theater and be like, this is a bad movie. Give me my money back. Right. Or else everyone would do that. <laughs> you know, a lot of people just do that. And be like, I didn't like the movie. You know, even if they really enjoyed it, can I have my money back? You know, whatever. And uh, That's essentially what's allowed here.
1: Before you continue, I had this. Is the only way for you to have DRMs to tie yourself to the internet? There's no other way. So, uh, so okay, DRM, So it just stands for digital rights management, right?
0: So mm-hmm. I don't know if it technically needs to be connected to the internet. There are anti-piracy things that are not connected to the internet. The thing is that you, they can be, you know, you should never trust something on someone's computer, like if you get know what I'm saying. So you can edit, you can edit like the, uh, you can edit the files, right, in such a way that deactivates whatever checking thing there is to check for that you actually bought the game legitimately. Um, there are games that the games that have done this, but you know they get cracked eventually, right? All it does is delay the inevitable. I guess you don't have piracy on the launch, which is nice, right? <laughs> you have piracy after a few months. Uh, instead, the the good thing about having the internet connected DRM stuff is that you can't edit code that's not on your computer. So if you are if, if the server is the thing checking for licenses and stuff like that, then you can't actually get around that, at least not in any easy way.
1: You know, it's part of the problem too that they give you unlimited keys. Because I'm thinking if you, like, you could hard, co- like, you could you could make it so that it only runs on one machine, right? So you can't pass it around. Because I think that's really the the end problem, is that you can just pass it around. Um, I mean,
0: but can you, if it's all locally done, then you, just, you disable what whatever you know, or whatever attempts to lock it to your computer, right?
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if you could create. Sorry, this is like getting really tendential. but I wonder if you could create like a, uh, a in the execute like a custom executable for the machine that you're on, which would be an interesting. I'm sure there's a problem with that. Oh, like it's it
0: literally a, just works on this computer only.
1: Literally, just only works on this computer. The yeah. computer is only so
0: unique, you know what I'm saying in terms of hardware.
1: Yeah, mm, maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but hardware level anti anti-piracy thing. Wasn't there something about Windows 11 and like hardware level anti-piracy stuff? I have no idea. I feel like I recall, I don't know, maybe I'm making that up, but <laughs> I thought I thought I remember something like that. So yeah, par- problem with this like refunding thing is like, not only do you just not give the it developers the money they deserve, uh, it's that like you dis you disincentivize dis- dis- people from making short games. I talked over and over again about the $60 price point thing, right, and how I think it should be higher for triple games and stuff like that and a, car- a counter argument to like the whole 70 dollars standard or you know higher thing is that well whenever you buy a game you're taking a risk when you buy it right and so essentially when you pay less you're compensating for that risk because yes you get a lot of content but 60 dollars is no small investment right I I, I I get i get what they're saying right it's, it's not i guess it shouldn't be necessarily linear or something like that to the um however you want to to the quality, however you measure that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, because you are, oh, okay. here's an example, right? If I charge you, like, uh, say, okay, I'll say X dollars for a case of water, for example, right? Or I charge you 2X uh, dollars for two cases of water. Most people don't need two cases of water at once, so they might be more inclined to buy the first case in case they don't actually end up using it, because then they end up, you know, spending less money, right? Because well, you get it, yes. Okay, so in this sense, it's like, I mean, that's, what, that's what happens at, like, uh, especially like Sam's Club, right, where you buy things in bulk, but the idea is that it's all cheaper, right? In part because of risk stuff, in part because you pay membership fee, but, you know, buying in bulk tends to be cheaper uh, because you're taking essentially taking on more risk you know, that you might not use a product or whatever, and the company will thank you for taking on such a risk, and so you get the discount. So, yeah. So I get that I get that counter-argument, and uh, shorter games will literally just fix that problem, right? Game like refund to three dollars. There is like no risk. <laughs> there is no risk in that. Essentially, you lose your three dollars, and it's like, uh, well, you know, not really a big deal for potentially forty minutes of a uh, fun time, which is uh, nice. So yeah, you can no longer make like under two hour games and put them on any platform of any decent size, because at least on PC, because uh, then it'll be you know people will will take advantage of it and refund on um, the game when. You know, they actually just played through the entire thing. Uh, So, you know, I bought Refunct on a whim. I bought it literally the same day I was told about it uh, because it was only $3. (laughs) I would not buy a $60 game based on one recommendation that I didn't didn't know anything about, you know what I'm saying? There's a whole space of
1: games that could be created they are just small,
0: you know what I'm saying? Literally just small games. That'd be very, very Those are kind of of
1: relegated to, like, the app store, pretty much, (laughs) like mobile. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We don't we don't want that there. We want we want we want that here, you know. We want small games here. Uh, it also helped a lot with indie developers, right? So uh p- problem with indie developers now is that they're s- struggling to get to that 2 hour content limit essentially, right? If they could surpass that, like or if, they d- if that wasn't a thing to begin with, it was all relative to the refund policy relative to the length of your game, then that'd be great. But uh, unfortunately, it's not. Yeah, it's pretty much most of what I have to say. I guess some other critiques about digi- uh, digital distribution platforms. Specifically, Steam, dude, it is so buggy and so slow, it's insane. I don't even know how, like, a company of such size, who essentially dom- has dominated the entire PC gaming market like, of sales for decades at this point, what are they doing? <laughs> how is it? so? I don't know. I'm inclined to think that the devs at Steam... Are kind of bad. That's just my thing, guess, or something, or they don't care, you know, because, like, why would they care? There's no competition, you know what I'm saying? There's not real competition, at least. I mean, it's kind of hope in a way for Steam having to uh, be forced to get better by competition because there was a time when Epic Games sort of essentially no one knew it even existed, and now it's actually a known thing because they've, you know, started uh, pushing it further. But still, I mean, the amount of people who don't use Epic Games for dumb reasons, like, oh, well, lacks features, right? Okay, it lacks features. What features is it lack? It lacks a chat. Bro, who uses the chat on Steam? Nobody, okay? Like seven people in the entire world, okay? So, no, I mean, <laughs> come on. The, the reason why I wouldn't want to use a Epic Games Store is mostly because there's no Steam Workshop. The Steam Workshop is actually amazing. That not being a thing on Epic Games sucks, but only for games that require the Steam Workshop, or not require, but are good with the Steam Workshop. You can technically download mods from places like moddb.com, uh, it's just a bit more work, you know, you have to like download it, put it in whatever folder you need to put it into, whatever, might, might have to do some extra setup and stuff like that. But there's also some, pro- some pros to ModDB. So ModDB, you can update things whenever you want to. I'm pretty sure on Steam Workshop, you're forced to update. Like you have to, you have to, like if the mod updates, your version will get auto-updated, which is so strange, I don't get it. And for that reason, uh, a lot of developers will not actually put their, they'll put like some, like I remember this for Hearts of Iron, since Hearts of Iron mods can be pretty massive a lot of them and you know require you know decently large teams to work on them and there are many iterations of versions that go through and many of them will be buggy right essentially they have you know like beta versions of things well they want to they put the their most recent version on the steam workshop you know there's a beta version that's buggy for everyone to download so what they end up doing is essentially end up abandoning the steam workshop they put like an old version on it and in the description they'll also be like you know you can get the newest version here essentially and it's like a link to mod DB where you can just download the beta, if you want to, which is the newest, or you can download the latest stable version, stuff like that. Uh, but Steam, being as bad as it is, uh, <laughs> does not have such a feature like that. So uh, yeah, Steam needs to up their game. It's pretty trash. And also, Steam needs to not like auto mute their videos, like on trailers. I hate that so much. Like, why do I have to go to every single page I go to? I have to unmute it manually. How many people want to to play muted? I don't know. I don't get it. At least I wish we would remember, you know, like if you uh, if you unmute it once every time you do it in the same session, it would be unmuted. But yeah, anyways, that's a tangent. Oh, yeah, I so guess another critique is 30 uh, percent market share is kind of weird. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I don't know if I'll formulate an opinion about it. I'm kind of skewed though. But yeah, that's all I have to say.
1: What about uh, Xbox Game Pass? Do you think that's a potential uh, competitor?
0: Yeah, I so was considering talking about that. Um, but I figured that'd be a bit too much to talk about in one episode because it's it's more different than Steam, GOG, and Epic Games. It's a different space, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not it's not a it's not as a, it's, it's a subscription service, you know? It's a subscription service. It's a whole different audience. I mean, is it competing? I think I think I think it's going to do a good bit to compete. Yes, but I don't know. I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like it's still tough, right? Because the same things that Epic Games lacks is also the same things that Xbox Game Pass lacks, you know, like Steam Workshop or something like that. People make the same arguments. I guess the the argument for it is that it's very cost-effective a lot of the times, and the fact that you can play a lot of games for pretty cheap, and also your games carry over to the Xbox a console. So, yeah. yeah. I guess it's hard to tell. I don't actually see it being, like, you know, a huge dominating player like Steam. I think Steam at least not for a while, I think Steam's gonna be, you yeah, know, essentially like mostly unopposed for a
1: very, very long time. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. Is that pretty much it? Oh uh, yeah, that's all i have to say for that. I'm gonna talk about locals, which is semi-related. So I finally got around to actually posting the perks that you get on locals. And I think they're pretty good and comprehensive. So I'm gonna pull that up real quick. You can, you can go to mixed media, it's mixedmedia.locals.com. It's pinned at the top. So if you go to mixedmedia.locals.com, at the top of the page, you'll see all the perks that you get. So you get live whiteboard access. So that whiteboard on that side of the screen is live. You can draw on it live. If you're a supporter at $5 a month, that's all it is. There's only one tier two. So everyone's on equal footing. $5 a month. Uh, you get access to that white light that whiteboard on the side of the screen there live and you can doodle, draw, you can show your off-your own artistic skills. You can give yourself a shout out. You can plug yourself, give yourself a little advertisement in, in a drawing form if you'd like. You could interact with us, right? You know, as we speak. You could make fun of us as we speak. All that is well and good. The only caveat is that you don't abuse this uh, very, very big privilege. <laughs> you can get your work reviewed. So like we do review stuff sometimes. So basically, puts you at the front of the line for people who are going to review. I know a lot of people have enjoyed them um, and I've enjoyed doing them as well. Third, you get polls. So polls we'll use to uh, figure out what topics maybe we, we want to pursue, stuff like that. Just get give us feedback and we'll be deferential to you because you are people who are investing in us. Uh, We'll create a Discord role for you on our Discord server, which is uh, there for free for anyone. Link in the description. But you'll get a special, cool role. They have icons now for roles. So uh, you can have... uh, not only a cool role, but maybe you'll have the only role that has an icon or something like that. I don't know, we'll think about it. And uh, the other thing is we have a messaging service on Locals that is exclusive. So you can't, you can't message us through there unless you are a patron, basically. And what we'll use that as partly is as a live message box. So if you have a message to send us a hot take, a question about us or anything that we've talked about or anything really random at all, we'll make sure that we address it in the following Podcast, And the last thing is uh, as these uh, podcasts are coming out live we edit them afterwards and the only place eventually once we have enough supporters that you'll be able to see these live streams in the raw with all the bloopers is probably on the live the raw live that uh, will be immutable on uh, Locals.com. So that's the perks for now but I gotta say we're gonna have cool stuff in the future like I think we can do a cool thing with film festivals um, that will not only be like game them. jams, yeah, game jams. That not only be cool for uh, our platform, but I think will be cool for creators as well. I think we can create like an interesting uh, sort of incentiv- incentivization thing. I've been the ideas have been bubbling in my head how to sort of funnel uh, some of that money back to the creators as well as much as possible. I know how much that's worth. Yeah, that's my local spiel. So go to mixmedia.locals.com, and you'll find uh, our stuff. All the links are in the description as well uh, if you don't know uh, how to get there.